Um, let's see. We are in our series called Drenched, and we, it's, we've been on a weird schedule, right? Since we started this, we had our Easter service, and then we took a week off, and then we were back for a couple weeks, and we were at, my wife and I were out of town for a week, and then uh, we had church on a Sunday night last week, and so we're kind of like back in our normal schedule, and so thank you for um, being here with us in our odd schedule. Um, I do think it's cool that we say this phrase a lot around here, that we want to give life to our city. And so I think it's uh, only appropriate that when our city is doing things that bring life to it, that we are a part of those things, that we are not holed up in here because it's Sunday morning and we have our routine. Uh, If we want to be about life in our city, we should be about doing things that bring life to our city. And so thank you for participating in open streets and coming on a Sunday night during the marathon, things like that. So proud to be part of this church. We are in week three, four of Drenched, something like that, and uh, we just came out of a, a time of prayer as a church, and we thought we need to do something on worship, and so we looked at a few different ways of worship. We talked about baptism. Tim kind of taught on baptism, what that was. We talked a little bit about worship, some things there, and then last Sunday night, if you weren't here, um, oh man, did you miss a night? Um, we bat- saw 16 people uh, come and be baptized Sunday night. We heard testimony of things that God is doing. Um, oh man. What a night. And so if you weren't there, uh, find someone who was there and say, tell me about it. Uh, it's worth talking about. Or if you were there, find someone who wasn't there and like, let me tell you what you missed because you were at home watching TV. No, just kidding. We don't want to guilt people, but kind of, that's funny. Um, anyway, so we're going to continue on this morning and we're going to look at another um, act of worship. And that is something uh, that is joy, as Micah told you about. And what is a life, uh, how is a, us living a life of joy, an act of worship to God. And I was thinking about this this week, and as I was preparing, and I say this a lot when I preach, I study a lot of different people. And so a lot of things that I say are from people who are much smarter than I, who have studied a lot longer than I have, who know a lot more than me. And so uh, as I study this week, I looked at, there's basically two ways to look at this. And there's one is like, why aren't you experiencing joy? And that's one way uh, most people like to teach this is, what are the things in life that are keeping me from experiencing joy? And I didn't want to go that way this morning, because this is a series about worship. And so I want to look at is what is our source of joy? Like, why do we, as people who call ourselves sons and daughters of Jesus, why do we even have joy? And so we're going to do a little bit of teaching today, have some points, which is not the usual way in which I teach. But Tim did it a few weeks ago, so I thought I had permission to do it as well, because uh, I'm going to be just like Tim. So, um, so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to kind of walk through some points, and uh, we're going to have a good time. You ready to go? Let's pray. Here we go. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that is alive and well, that it moves and inspires and captivates us. Father, I pray that you do that this morning, that you move through this room. God, as I pray every time I'm up here, I pray that we would walk out of this room a little bit differently than the way we walked in, or we would have to make the hard choice not to. Father, I pray that that is the case today. I ask this in your name. Amen. Okay. Joy. So I was thinking about this, and what are some things that bring me joy in those moments of joy? Because happiness and joy are different. We know this, right? Happiness is very circumstantial. Joy, we say there's this psalm where this comes from, that David says, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Understanding that joy comes from the Lord, and happiness and joy are different. So I was thinking, well, what are the things that my life that have brought me joy that were just clearly from God? I remember there was once a time that I was standing in front of a stage like this, and I saw my fiance at the time round the corner, and uh, she was walking with her dad come down to marry me. And I was filled with joy because I felt like Danny Ocean. I just pulled off the biggest heist anyone had ever seen. Like there was no backing out at this moment. Unless she turned away, I won in that moment. Like I was filled with joy that somehow I conned that girl into spending her life with me. What a sucker. So um, 
there was that moment I was filled with joy. Obviously, the moments when my children were born, I remember when the Rosalind was being born, they said, she has dark hair, and I was like, hmm, I'm in good. And they're like, wait, wait, no, it's red. And I was like, woohoo! Um, I wanted a little red-headed girl, and now I'm paying the price for having two red-headed girls in my home. Um, <laughs> that filled me with joy, these kinds of things with joy. But we all know that the people who are like the robbers of joy, you know these people? Like there's that one person in your life, the Debbie Downer, you know this person? That every time you talk to them, they're like, did you see the news? Measles again. And you're like, gosh, like I just got here. All I said was, what's up? You know this person? You all have this person in your life who every time they're talking to you, someone's got a bad diagnosis, somebody's hurt, there's something on the news, there's war here. Did you hear the last thing our president said or what the other president said? Everything's bad and everything's war. And you're just like, ugh. My sweet mother is this person. She is a Debbie Downer of all the Debbiest Downers in all of the world. And I love her dearly. And, and she knows this about her. In fact, this is one of the things in life that brings me joy. Um, it got to the, like, literally 50% of the time. I'll have not talked to my mom in a couple days. The phone will ring, and I'll be like, oh, hey, mom, what's up? She's like, well, did you hear about so-and-so? And I'm like, what's, what, mom? And she's like, yep, it's not looking good. And I'm like, Mom, the waiter is right here. We're about to order. I'm going to have to call you back. And she's like, okay, we'll talk then. And I hang up. This is my mother every time she calls. In fact, I was a student pastor a few years ago at a church, and the band was finishing up their worship set, and it was Stephen Thorne and Ryan Moore on the drums. And I always give fist bumps to those guys every time I, we get up and, and go. And so I'm up there giving them fist bumps. Good job. Stephen's praying, and I'm trying to get him to give me a fist bump so we can go because routine is important to me. Um, and he's praying and kind of backing me away, and my phone starts going off. And I'm like, everyone knows I'm about to teach. No one knows I'm going to do this. So I look down at my phone, and this is a text message I received from my mother 10 seconds before I started preaching. I haven't talked to my mom in about four or five days at this point, and this is a text about somebody I have maybe spoken six words to in my entire life. I look at my phone, and this is the exact way the text was written. Pray for Bob, dot, dot, dot. Hit by car, dot, dot, dot. Car going 55 miles per hour, dot, dot, dot. We'll know more later, dot, dot, dot. End of text. <laughs> this is how it happened. I'm up there trying to get Stephen Fistbump. I look down, I read it. Pay for Bob, I don't hit by car. That will know more later. Morning, church. How are you? <laughs> and that's how the morning began. She is the Debbiest Downer of all the Debbies. And this is my mother. This is what she does. But now it's become such a joy for us that this is her, that it honestly is like a source of joy for me. Like anytime we're like, hey, mom, what's going on? She's like, well, I don't want to tell you because I'm like, come on, mom, bring it on us. Like, let's, let's bring us down a little bit. We'll be having a good day. I'm like, let's just call mom and see what's up. Um, <laughs> I need to mellow out a little bit. If my wife needs me to relax, she's like, call your mother. Oh, it's awesome. So we're talking about our sources of joy today. There's a few different uh, places that joy comes from, and I want to hit on a few of them, and they are points up here. So if you want to write them down, you can. There are pins in front of you. If you want to write them on your phone, that's okay. If you just want to get through the morning and, you know, go get a chicken sandwich next door, that's okay too. We'll get through it, and we'll have a good time. So uh, the first thing, joy comes from where? And the first thing I want to look at is this idea right here. Joy comes from believing in God. And Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. So joy comes from believing in God. So there's two things I want to talk about with this real quick. If you're in this room this morning and you've never done this 
And you may say, I've been wrestling with God. I've, I've never surrendered my life to God. I've never made him Lord of my life. I, I maybe believe God is, that there is a God. I may even believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but I've never surrendered my life to him. I'm here to tell you something right now. I stand up here a lot and teach, and Tim teaches, and, and we teach a lot of things that we're pretty certain of that God showed us, but I know I'm gonna get to heaven and find out a lot of things I was wrong about. This is one of the, I think this might be the only message that I could ever give that I am 100% certain of what I'm saying that there is a joy that you could experience that comes from a believing in God that cannot be explained, cannot be comprehended, that only comes from understanding that you have salvation in Jesus. And it, that joy is being offered to you this morning right now. If you're in this room, you're like, well, I haven't even thought about God in a long time. I'm here to tell you, he's been thinking about you. He's been thinking about you all week long. And maybe you've been wrestling with the decision. What do I do? And here's, here's what I know. I could get this microphone right now, turn it on, and walk to every single person in this room that has said yes to Jesus, that's made him Lord, that said he's my Savior and the Lord of my life. And they could tell you in a moment, right now, on the spot, I could say, tell me about a time that God gave you joy that can't be explained because of what he's done in and through you. Tell me a story. And they all could. I promise. Salvation and the joy that comes with it is at hand. And I just sit up here and I pray every time I'm up here that you would leave the room differently than the way you walked in. I'm begging you to listen for the next 20 minutes. If you don't believe me right now and you've been wrestling, hear me say this, God's been thinking about you all week. Listen to the joy you could experience. Because here's what I'm gonna do for the next 20 minutes. I'm gonna remind every person in here that said yes to Jesus about why they should have joy. And we're gonna blow the roof off this place in a minute. We're gonna worship our king because that's what joy does. It fills us with admiration and worship to the Father. Just listen for a few minutes. Listen to what joy could be. It says here, believing a God, look at that Romans verse again. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So you may have, well, I believed in God, believed in God for a year, six years, 20 years, 50 years, 60 years, whatever it may be. Notice it says, as I trust in him in Romans 15, as I trust, which means that you and I will struggle to trust with God today. A few years ago, I was a student pastor working in those junior high services with Stephen and Ryan and Tim and some other people, and I um, knew my time was done there, and I knew it was time to go, and I didn't know what to do, but I had no joy in what I was doing. I was drained of it, and so what I thought I had to do is I had to create. See, I was um, pretty poor, <laughs> pretty darn uh, really poor, and I had a newborn baby, and I knew that I was done there, but I didn't know what I could do next. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm obeying God because I'm working in ministry, so everything must be okay. So what I thought I had to do is I needed to work harder, be smarter, be more passionate, have more creative messages, more brilliant ideas, more do, I need to do this, this, and this. And that would bring me happiness. And you know what? It did. It made me very happy some days. And some days I would go to work completely miserable because happiness is circumstantial and joy is from the Lord. You see, what I was doing is I thought I had control of, I believed in God and who he is, but I didn't do what the verse said. I haven't trusted God with my today. You see, this believing in God, for those of us who are believers, this is an everyday thing. Have you trusted God with your today? You may be saying, I'm struggling at work. I'm finding, having trouble finding joy in work. Well, do you believe in God that he's your Lord or have you given God your trust in your career? Have you trusted God in your marriage, in your relationship, in your singleness, in your finances, in your raising your children? Are you trying to be happy in all those situations? Because if you are trying to be happy in your relationship, in your singleness, in your finances, in your children, you will be happy and then you will get really sad because happiness is circumstantial. What you need is joy that comes from believing that God has my today. That's what we need. Joy comes from putting a trust in God every day. Say, I'm going to choose to trust God with my situation right now. And he will fill you with Joy. Second thing, joy comes from 
belonging to the kingdom of God. Joy comes from belonging to the kingdom of God. Romans 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Belonging to the member of the kingdom of God is belonging to something that will not pass away. And there is joy that comes from knowing that you belong. For those in this room that have said yes to Jesus, and those of you here, I told you to listen to why joy is important. For those of you that are in this room, you have said yes to the Lord, you belong to the kingdom no matter what you have done, what you are doing, or what you will do. And there is joy in that truth. I don't think I'm alone in the way I think about things. I, my position as somebody who struggles as a, because here's, here's the magic truth. Um, I didn't decide to follow Jesus and then stop sinning and everything has been perfect ever since. This is not the case. I have struggled this week. And you know, in my struggling, in my sin, in my failures, am I alone in this? Have you ever felt like God is disappointed and frustrated with the way you live your life? Have you ever felt that way? That I often feel like God is simply tolerating Caleb. I, have you ever, has anyone ever felt this way? That God is tolerating me in my struggles? But you know what Paul writes in Ephesians 1? He said, before the earth's foundation was laid, he was going to adopt you, make you holy and blameless in his sight. So whether you've had a good day or a difficult day, God is not going to abandon you in your difficult season. How amazing does that make our God? That in our hypocrisy, God stands next to us. In our inability to live out all that God has called us to do, he continues to pour out onto us his grace. Listen, men and women of God, who are in Christ, but struggling with some kind of sin, God does not regret saving you. He doesn't regret it. You haven't surprised him with the way you've lived your life. You can't surprise him. God has not been watching where you are this week. God's not been watching how you've struggled and sinned and stumbled, and he's regretting the decision to pay the price for you in full. You have no sin, past, present, and future, that has more power than the cross of Jesus. None. This means that your salvation wasn't a past event, that Christ even now is continuing to save you. He didn't forgive your past sins and leave it up to you and me to conquer our present and future sins, which means it doesn't matter what kind of junk you brought in this room. It doesn't matter what you struggle with this week. It doesn't matter. It means God can rescue you and God can save you. It means for those of us who are in Christ, we do not disgust God with the way we live our lives. And you may say, well, you don't know what I'm struggling with right now. And I would say that he paid the bill in full. So that's nonsense. Because you belong to the kingdom of God. You belong. And that brings me joy. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Nothing I have done, nothing I'm struggling with, or nothing that I will do in the future. Nothing. We belong. That should fill you with joy. The next thing. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Galatians 5.22. Now, in the past previous verses, the two one I've read before, that word Holy Spirit is mentioned both times. Here it is in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kind of good. You know this first, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's the number two right there. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is a reminder, by the way, that there is nothing that you can do to effort joy. Joy does not come by any of your effort. It's impossible. You can work and work and work and work to try to bring yourself joy. It will never happen. Happiness is circumstantial, but joy comes from the Lord. 
It comes from a fruit of the Spirit. Joy comes because I have believed in God and I understand that I belong to the kingdom. And because of that, the Spirit is alive and well in me and moving and it is producing fruit. And that fruit is joy. And there are times in our life that we don't produce fruit. And that's something we have to look inward and be like, okay, what's going on? Why am I doing this? What am I walking through? That's causing me to be this way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It comes from the Spirit, not by any effort that you and I, there's nothing you can do, nothing. It is a fruit of the Spirit of God that is alive and well within us. Joy comes from the Lord. Next thing. Joy comes from trials. And this is a fun one. James uh, starts his book this way. It's in James 1, verse 2. And he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is how James starts his book, by the way, which is like a real punch to the stomach, right? Like, hey guys, what's up? Hey, those things you're struggling with, consider it joy. And you're like, what? Like, like, and here's, we don't have James to come and preach a sermon on this, so we don't have his, the way he expounded upon this. This is the way he starts. Now, you understand the people he talked to were being, like, you know, ripped out of their homes and everything was taken away from them, and that makes it even um, harder. But this is what he says. Um, Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. This, this part is important. We're going to get to it. There are people in here who think the things you're walking through aren't that big of a deal, and so we ignore them. We don't actually take it to God because he doesn't need to mess with this. There are people starving all over the world. I don't need to take God my trials. I would disagree. If there's something to you, they're a big deal to God. You belong to the kingdom. You're his. Pride and joy. He wants you to bring you everything. And in all of your trials, no matter how big, how small, take them to God and he will bring you joy. This is what I know. It is, you will very rarely, if ever, find happiness in trials. Have you ever been walking through something really different and difficult and felt really happy about it? Those people are crazy. They are literally crazy. Like, ooh, I love when this happens to me. Those people play professional football. That's what happens. I just get hit by a middle linebacker. It was awesome. I was like, I would be dead. I would be dead. We don't find happiness. But maybe this is why scripture says the things that it does. It says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, through our trials, we can find joy. Uh, A couple months ago, my grandmother, my Mimi, as I call her, uh, my Mimi um, finally uh, lost her battle um, with Alzheimer's. And uh, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's about 15 years ago. And within several months, uh, I remember I was there, and um, she, I walked in the room, and she got really uncomfortable, um, a little frightened, didn't know who I was, um, really scared. And that happened pretty quick. Uh, didn't know why I was there to see her, didn't know anything like that. And I walked out of that room and back to my car, v- very angry. Um, Alzheimer's is a horrible, horrible disease. It, it, it robs you of life while keeping you alive. Um, and for 12 years, she hasn't known anything, nothing. Hasn't been able to speak, communicate, literally anything. Um, and my grandfather, my papa, he, he took care of her. He, um, get her out of her bed. She couldn't remember how to walk, you know, get out of her bed, put her in a chair, take her to the den, put her in her recliner, get her um, headphones and a Walkman that he still used because she liked music. And it was like one of the only things that would make her happy. And she would sit there and she would smile. And, um, 
And most people who are diagnosed with severe Alzheimer's, they don't live very long. Um, but my, my pop, he took care of her, and so she lasted 12 more years. And, um, and, and I just remember every time I would go see her, just, I, and even we were up there on New Year's Eve, and I got to spend um, my, my last times with her. I just left very angry um, that I, I would say, well, why haven't you taken her home yet? Like, why are you making her suffer here? And it didn't make any sense to me. And then when you have someone in your family with Alzheimer's, uh, it's amazing the people you meet in this world who's had family members with Alzheimer's. And um, it is just the most horrible thing, disease, that just makes people, cripples them and suffers. And it's just awful. And I walked into this trial just being very bitter about it, very angry. And then as she was about to pass away, um, there was nothing they could do. She'd got developed pneumonia and all sorts of things. And she was... She was dying, and my, and my my pop would just hold her hand, and he would just fight. Maybe she's gonna get better. Maybe she's gonna get better. Maybe she's gonna get better. And and then finally, he he began to cry. He's 87, 80, 80. He just began to cry, and he was holding her hand. And he said, "Okay, Mimi, uh, go home. You can go home. Go home. Papa's right behind you. Papa's right behind you. Go home. It's okay. Go home." And he's crying, and everyone in the room's crying. And it's in that moment when there was no sadness in that room. There was just joy because we held on to heaven in that moment. Because right now at 1024 a.m. on May 6th, 2018, my Mimi, Mary Kinney, stands in front of the creator of the universe with a mind sharper than it ever has been and a voice stronger than it ever has been And right now, she is singing and proclaiming the goodness of a God and his salvation and his resurrection. That's what's happening right now. There is joy through our trials. We held on to heaven. I held on to the example my grandfather gave. You know what I think of when I think of my grandfather? I think of my wife and what it means through in sickness and in health and in good times and in bad. And there is nothing on earth that will stop me from doing anything from her because I had the example of what he did for his spouse. And he held her hand and willed her to heaven to see the Father. That's the example that I have. And now that I've said it to you, that's the example you have. He's setting an example for what it means to be a godly husband and to love our spouse above anything else, to sacrifice everything. He called me this week, and the hole isn't gone. I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and I said, did you go watch your grandson's baseball game? He goes, I don't want to go anywhere because it's not fair I get to go without her. You see, the hole is still there. The trial is still going on for him, but there is joy in the end. There is joy. In fact, the scripture says, what does it say in Romans and James 1? It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. God is working in the midst of your trials. He is making you mature. He is completing his work in you. God is not done with you yet if you are here. He's not done with you. There was no sadness in that room. There was joy of what heaven holds in store for us. Joy of a God of salvation, who when he says, I am making all things new, there will come a day and it will be made new. You can cover this eye up and I'll know just what you look like. I promise. (laughs) He is making all things new. But you know what the reality is? Is that every single one of us in here, you're walking through a trial. There is not one single person in here that isn't walking through something at work, at home, with a family member, maybe you just, there's somebody you love just got a diagnosis, maybe in a marriage that is struggling, 
maybe raising your children that's struggling, maybe you have a kid or getting ready to have a kid, maybe you're trying to adjust to all these things, maybe you lost someone recently who you love, maybe you lost them long ago, and just because it was long ago doesn't mean the hole is filled up, it doesn't mean you don't still miss them, you're walking through a trial. Isn't it good to know you're not alone? I mean, if I were to ask you to raise your hand if you're walking through something, every single person in this room would raise their hand. We're walking through something. And that's really important to know. Because the next source of joy, where joy comes from, is this. Other believers. It's important to note that every single person in this room is walking through something. Because a source of joy for us, and the ultimate source of joy outside of Jesus and his salvation, is other believers who remind us what our source of joy is. Because I walked out of that, my grandmother's house, the last time I saw her, angry at the Lord. And I have other people to come beside me and say, no, 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 no. Think about heaven for Mimi. Think about heaven. What will that be like? The restoration that will happen. Think about that. Other believers coming beside you. There is something. There is something about a community of Jesus followers that rally around you that is the ultimate source of joy. It is unexplainable that when you're walking through something, the joy that comes from a group of people who follow Jesus that want to love you and pray for you and be around you, that is unexplainable. It is unexplainable. In the summer of 1996, my sister was in ICU for 31 days. She was going to die. That's what I had to say goodbye to my sister as like an eight-year-old. That's what it, this was, she was, it was bad. And we were surrounded by a group of people that didn't let us go. We couldn't escape these people. They wouldn't leave us alone. How can we pray for you? What can we do? I was, a, I was a kid, and they would take me in their home. They'd do my laundry. They'd feed me food. They'd let me stay at their house. They would, they, people mowed our yard like twice a day all summer long. <laughs> they brought us quarters because we had to use pay phones to give people updates. My dad had two friends that didn't miss a single day in the hospital. They were there every morning and every night to sit with my dad. At one point when Bethany was, she was dying, they said, go say goodbye. She's got about 10 minutes. There was 86 people in a room the size of this stage praying on their hands and their knees that God would do a miracle. And guess what? He did. She's going to be at the next service. Can't wait to tell the story. She's going to be humiliated. <laughs> they gathered together. They wouldn't let us go. And you know what the worst part of that summer was? Is that we were in the ICU. And uh, about three, two weeks into it, a, a kid, um, I believe he was struck by lightning. Uh, he came to the room next to us, his family. And you know who came to see them? just my parents. My parents would go visit with them almost every day. They had nobody. Nobody to come alongside of them. Nobody to walk beside of them. Nobody to say, what can I need? Somebody taking care of your home? How can I pray for you? Can I bring you a meal? Don't live life alone. If you're in this room today, and you're part of the church, and you're not in a small group, or you're not a part of our women's ministry, or you're not gathering together in our men's ministry with a group of men who love God and want to remind you of your source of joy, you are missing out on the ultimate source of joy. Don't leave this room the same way you walked in. Don't walk out of this room alone. Walk out of here with names and contacts of people who are going to come alongside you this week and remind you of your source of joy. Come alongside you when you need it to celebrate high moments with you and to weep with you in sad moments, to bring you joy, to bring you meals, to visit you, to do whatever it is. But don't walk out of this room the same way you walked in. If you walked in alone, don't walk out alone. A source of joy are other believers who want to come alongside you and remind you of your source of joy. And knowing that there are people here, knowing that when I walk through stuff, I got people right here. I mean, I can't go, anything that goes wrong in my life, I swear, that's the week that Ryan and Stephen call me every time. I couldn't do it without them. They will bring you a source of joy, other believers.
Joy comes from remembering what God has done. Remembering what God has done. It's in Acts chapter 13. This is uh, Paul and Barnabas are uh, kicking it in a synagogue, listening to other people preach, which I think is hilarious. Like if Paul was there and I knew who Paul was going to be and I was preaching, I would be like, uh, 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 uh. Micah's dad was here last week and Micah's dad is like this preacher who like trained my dad and my dad trained me. And uh, I'm just telling you, all I did was introduce baptisms. It's the most nervous I've ever been in my whole life. I couldn't hold my cards. I was like, Ashley, I need your music stand. Um, and I was terrified. But this is the situation that's happening. These guys are preaching in the synagogue. And, and this is what they say. If you go down to verse 16, this is great. One of the preachers in the synagogue says this. It's in Acts. It's going to be up here on the screen. Um, he says, does anyone have anything else to say? And Paul's like, okay. Yeah, I got something. And uh, he says something. Now listen. When you remember what God has done, it will fill you with joy. When you hear the stories of the things that God is doing, it will fill you with Joy. When you realize you're a part of that same story. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul says. Verse 16 here. It says, uh, standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct. Thank goodness, because he endures mine a lot too. Um, He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years, and he never abandoned them, not even once. Even while they wandered, even while they disobeyed, even when they forgot what he had done, he didn't leave them. 450 years, it gets better. After this... So that should be enough that God did, but he didn't. He stopped there. He said, after this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, the son of Kish, the tribe of Benjamin. He ruled for 40 years. And after removing Saul, he made David their king. Listen to what God continues to do for his people. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, he has promised. Verse 24, before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, who do you think I am? I'm not worthy. I'm not that one. No one is coming after me. Whose sandals? I am unworthy to untie. Get your highlighters out. The verse is coming. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that the message of salvation has been sent. OKC community, it's to you the message of salvation has been sent. Verse 27, the Uh, The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, ha, 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 they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him from the tomb. Get your highlighter out right now. Verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Do you remember that, guys? But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. He continues to give a speech. And at the end of the speech, it says, the word of the Lord spread through all the region. And verse 52 says, and the disciples were filled with joy. God is telling a beautiful story that you are a part of. That God, the God who led them out of Egypt, the one who gave them the land that was promised to them, the one who gave them David and then gave them 
uh, Jesus through him, the one who sent John to prepare the way, the God who was did lived a perfect life, was found no fault, died on the cross, was put in the grave and raised from the dead. That God is telling a beautiful story that you are a part of. And that fills me with joy, joy. Just think about what God has done in your life. Think about it. When's the last time you sat down and actually thought about the things God had been doing? I was thinking about this week and think, you know, 10 years ago, God put me in a church in Yukon, Oklahoma as an intern. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. And then he sent me to another church in Norman. And then in that time, he gave me a daughter that I love so much. I literally developed anxiety that crippled me. I couldn't think, I couldn't move, I couldn't decide on what to do. And in my anxiety, in my struggle, in my trial, God sent me to someone who helped me search and discover everything that was wrong about me, everything that I was holding on to. It changed the kind of father I was. It changed the kind of husband I am. It changed the kind of man I am, the kind of son that I am. It changed the kind of leader I am. And through that, God brought me to a church uh, called OKC Community Church, where I walk hand in hand next to people who, despite our flaws, want to advance the kingdom. And that fills me with joy. That's a little bit of story in my life. It fills me with joy. You know that in 2012, I was hanging out with my mentor and one of my best friends in the world, Tim Mann, and he drove me to a field on 23rd Street. And he said, I feel like God's telling me to plant a church on 23rd. I said, dude, I don't even drive around there. And he said, I know. We're sitting in a field and all of a sudden he starts meeting with people and he starts gathering community. He starts meeting in the Civic Center and we celebrated our one year anniversary with Johnny Carinos and it was awesome. And a few months after that, God continued to bring people to our church. And I, I see some of them out, out in the crowd. I met you as I helped with kids and did whatever I can to help get this church off the ground. And then a few, few years later, of course, God brought us a realtor and an architect and other people that brought us and gave us a building across from the very parking lot we sat in 2012. Of course he did. And God continued to bring people to this church and continue to see lives change. And we celebrated Easter in Tower Theater where there would never be a church. Because of course God did. And we built this church with a multi-purpose room that didn't really have any purpose. So we changed it to a prayer room that for, for 14 days, for 24 hours a day, people from this church sat in there and prayed to a living, moving God, the God of salvation, the God of resurrection, who is alive and well and doing things in our city. That's what happened. And then Sunday night, I watched as 16 people came right here, were baptized, professing to the things that God had done for them. They were filled with joy. And I watched as we passed a microphone just like that around, and I heard stories of people in this church that God had done the incredible. God had brought them out of addiction to freedom. God had taken away their children, and they had got them back. They were talking from life to death. I heard stories of the most incredible things, and I was trying to write them all down because they filled me with joy to hear what God was doing in our church. Doesn't that fill you with joy? Doesn't that make you want to worship a God who's alive and well and moving inside your heart in this place? He deserves our worship. I live a life of joy. I asked you in this room if you've never done that, if you've never, maybe you're wrestling, maybe you haven't thought about God in a long time, if you've never made him Lord of your life, I want you to hear one more thing. One more thing from me. Maybe you're in here and you've heard this before, you've trusted in God a long time. Can I remind you of one thing that should fill you with incredible joy before we worship I hope you're ready. One more thing from Romans chapter five, Micah mentioned earlier, it says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we now have been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Let me remind you this. The word justified right there means that you and I stand before God, acceptable, spotless, pure, and without sin. The God looks at us in this room and says, there's no sin in that man. There's no sin in that woman. 
that we are now just in his sight. So all the sin that we've done by choosing our stuff over God, all the sin we've done by saying my way is better than God, it's all removed. And God sees us as just. Do you remember that? That should fill you with joy. Look at this. We are justified by what? By his blood. That's great news. There's nothing about your effort in that text at all. Nothing about your might, your morality, your biblical knowledge, your religion, your ability to clean yourself up. We have been justified by an act of God. Bottom line, we have not earned the right to stand in front of God by the effort or the cleaning up of our lives. We have been made pure and we stand blameless in front of God, not because of any kind of religious or moral pursuit, but because Christ died. And in his death, he absorbed all the wrath meant for you and I. That's why the Bible says, for the children of God, we are not appointed to suffer wrath because the wrath bestowed upon you and I was absorbed by Christ's death. And that brings me joy. You ready to worship church? You're filled with joy that makes you want to worship an unbelievable God that did that for you? Don't walk out of here the same way you walked in. I want you to do something real quick. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Okay, I've talked to you all morning. I wanted you to listen, and I hope you did. Because the joy we just spent 20 minutes talking about for those of you in this room that have never said yes to Jesus, never made him Lord of your life, never given your heart and trusted him with your tomorrow, that joy is being offered to you right now. Did you just hear the verse? It takes nothing of your effort at all. He's already done it for you. All you have to do is say yes. Confess with your mouth that he's Lord. Ask forgiveness of your sins and he will save you forever. He'll change everything about it. He will give you joy that is unexplainable. Find one person you know that has said yes to Jesus. Ask them to tell you about that joy. They'll have stories. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna invite you to say a prayer with me. And there's no magic words to this prayer. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a moment of saying, God, I wanna surrender to you. So I'm gonna say some things, ask you to repeat after me. Church, would you join with us as we pray this together? Lord Jesus, I confess that you are Lord, that God raised you from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for your salvation. With your head bowed and still, I want to tell you something right now. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, your eternity has changed forever because of the cross of Jesus. And there is joy in your salvation that is unexplainable. I invite you. We're going to have people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you, talk to you. I'm going to invite you, if you're walking through a trial of some sort, come down, use the altar as a stage. Use this stage as an altar. If you're in here and you'd say, I, I, need, I need to trust God with my today, come down here. If you're going to say, I need to remember that I belong to the kingdom. If you're walking through a trial of some sort, understand that joy comes from other believers who want to walk beside you. Go grab someone. Say, hey, would you come pray with me? I'm walking through something. I need to be reminded. Come talk to us at the front. I need to be in a small group. I need to be in the men's ministry. I got to get connected to some women. I got to get connected. I need people to help me remember my source of joy. I can't keep living this life alone. Whatever it may be, I want to invite you to move this morning. And my prayer is that you would be filled with joy and we would worship a king who is worthy of it this morning. Lord Jesus, we give you this next few minutes.
as we worship you as somebody who is worthy to be worshiped, as we remember what you have done for us, God, we gather and sing and pray as people who are filled with